Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are very, very lucky to be here today with Ramez Helu, all the way from the amazing city of Dubai, where he lives and works, where he is the founder and CEO of the Academy for Sales Excellence. Ramez was a Cutco Vector rep and manager over about a 15-year period of time, advancing as far as the level of division manager. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that throughout uh, this interview. After leaving the company, he was with Unilever for about five or six years and eventually opened up his own business to teach and train salespeople all over the world. He has trained over 100,000 salespeople in 30-plus countries on five continents, and he is an amazing teacher and leader. We're very lucky to have him here today. Thank you, Ramez, for making some time to be on the show. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here with all of our uh, audiences all over the world as well. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I would like to just let you tell a little bit of your personal story because your story is so fascinating and interesting. Just take us back to wherever you feel like would be uh, most relevant and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, originally I was born and raised in Beirut, Lebanon. At one point in time, I never thought I'd leave my country. Yet, the war conditions at that time, back in 87, gave my father an opportunity to go to the U.S., and that's when everything changed for me. So I'd say um, going to the U.S. was a life-changing experience, because I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the sleep. So, um, so yeah, I started selling knives. I was looking for an experience. I wanted to make some money, you know, earn some experiences, and that's when I fumbled upon the vector opportunity. I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll go out there, do presentations, doesn't matter if I sell or not, I'll make some money. But little did I know that actually I would end up uh, in that night business for more than 15 years. So Yeah, wow. Yeah. So your family moved from Lebanon, you moved to Philadelphia area? Correct, Pennsylvania, yeah. Yeah, and that's where you connected with Cutco. And who did you start with? I started with Tom Cannon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tom, Tom, he's been mentioned uh, on this show already. So yeah. one of the all-time legends. Great mentor, absolutely. Yeah, so, and you were a student at Villanova, is that correct? Right, so in my freshman to sophomore year, that was when I received the letter in the mail, you know, the old direct mailers. Yeah. Here's the scenario. I go 
get the interview, get the job, come back home or get the opportunity, not the job quite, <laughs> you know, come back home and tell my dad that I got a job as a marketing executive with an international marketing company. <laughs> my dad looks at me. Yeah, my dad looks at me. He goes, uh, what are you going to be selling, son? I said, knives, kitchen knives. He's like, geez, couldn't you find something else? <laughs> yeah so, sounds yeah. like the story that a lot of us had uh in, in those early days with that initial experience what were some of the early experiences you had as a sales rep or as a new manager that you feel like created some important lessons for you first thing was asking the biggest thing in life today even i until today being in business if i don't ask for business if i don't ask for things asking isn't just directly from a person but asking from yourself. So, you know, in the Bible, it says, ask and thou shalt receive. So the biggest thing is that Vector taught me is, is how to ask. That's a great insight. And clearly, you know, you're somebody who, you know, wasn't from the area. You didn't have the base of people, you know, dozens and dozens of people that you knew that you could start with. And so building referrals was critical for you. And I think people take the path of least resistance. If you don't ask for something, then typically people don't necessarily offer or don't go the extra mile to help. But when you do ask, that opens up the doors for possibilities to enter your life. And it's clear that uh, you, you learn that early on uh, with, deal with uh, getting referrals as you started. Right. It, and it's also translated to many other aspects. You know? So first it was as a, as a sales rep, asking for referrals, asking for the order. One of the things also that, you know, have you ever said something to someone that you didn't mean? Of course. And, and have you ever meant something that you didn't say? Well, yes. And, and that happened to me so many times as a brand new Cutco sales rep because English was not my first language. And I didn't know how to ask for things, how to ask for referrals, how to follow <laughs> the simple script that was given to me. But magic started happening when I actually started following how to ask. You know, how, how to ask for referrals, how to ask for the order. The way we ask, sometimes if you don't know the words, it becomes a little bit challenging. But one of the things I'm really big at is helping people create small hacks. And one of the things that everybody needs to have in their life is a simple playbook, is a playbook that allows them to get to critical moments in, in their life or their work or their business. And be able to actually do the right thing. And see, it's not the words that matter as much as if you know the words, then you can really focus on the tonality. You can focus on the body language. You can focus on connecting with an individual so it doesn't really sound like you're actually regurgitating something. But knowing the words gives you confidence, gives you the ability to uh, not think about it, but just go ahead and really be there present in the moment, not having to worry about the details. Yeah, for sure. So much of communication is in our tonality and our physiology. And what I notice with people, if they are stumbling over what to actually say, they have a hard time being able to have a tonality or a body language that's confident, that makes people feel comfortable, you know, saying yes to. It creates questions in people's heads. But when something is, is learned really well, and there are certain parts of any sales program that you can memorize a, you know, a certain segment. And when we do that, as you said, we're able to focus more on the tonality and the physiology and, and it comes off a whole lot more effectively than somebody who's stumbling over their words. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I resisted that. I remember my manager saying when we were 
doing different parts. You gotta know the, uh, the the close. I think it was page thirteen and page fourteen in the manual back at that time. You gotta know page twenty-one, which is how to ask for referrals. Uh, you know, it was like you have to know it. And I remember, if I were to shift onto the sales uh, conversation, I remember the first time I actually sat in my car and I reviewed my close and I made sure that I remembered the word. They were in my short-term memory, and I went into the to the client and I followed it. And I sold my first homemaker set back in 1989. It used to be 611. You know, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this actually works. You know, I called my manager um, frantically uh, yelling at him. He goes, slow down, slow down, Ram. Goes, what, what happened? It's like, you know, it works. It's like, what works? Like, the clothes. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, that was, that was that. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Now, Ramez, so after you advanced into management with us there in the Philadelphia area, eventually you decided to make a move to go to Puerto Rico. Now, I remember you were on the radar as a successful vector person. So even though I was in California, you know, I was aware that there was this guy, Ramez. And I thought, well, Ramez, oh, Ramez is going to Puerto Rico, right? I mean, he must be Spanish speaking. (laughs) Um, but you were not Spanish speaking at all at this point. You mentioned English was not your first language. I'm guessing if you're from Lebanon, English was probably your third language, right? After Arabic and French. Yes, correct. um, And so now you're going to a place where they speak a fourth language and you don't know it, but you're going there anyway. Like, what went into this whole idea of going to Puerto Rico to open that up as a territory for Cutco? I'll share with you a story. I had a, um, my girlfriend was from Puerto Rico and Uh my uh, university sweetheart. And I ran my district office in Chester County, Pennsylvania, and she was down in in Puerto Rico. And we had a long distance relationship. But after about two years, I was like, wouldn't it be great if I can, you know, I studied international business and I was thinking to myself, I'm doing nothing international in Chester County, Pennsylvania. (laughs) So I, I said, wouldn't it be great if I can go to Puerto Rico and then make that become the bridge for Latin America? So I remember asking to speak with Al, our president. I said, Al, wouldn't you like to have access to 300 million people that don't know anything about our lives? He's like, what do you have in mind? I said, I'd like to go to Puerto Rico and set up an office there that would allow us to train bilingual people and then go to, uh, to, to other parts of Latin America. He goes, Ramis, Ramis. Uh, what's your last name? I said, uh, hello. He goes, yeah, it's not Rodriguez and it's not Gonzalez. <laughs> he goes, do you even speak Spanish? I said, no. I said, but between my Arabic and French and English, I can figure it out. He's like, Ramis, why would you want to go to a place that's not even on the map? You're living in one of the top 10 richest counties in North America. Why go down there? I said, I look. I appreciate the fatherly advice, but my girlfriend is there, <laughs> you know, and I, I would love to go to, to Puerto Rico to be next to her. I'd love to make it with Vector, but if not, then I understand I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> He's like, oh, so tell me your girlfriend is down there. Let's, let's see how we can make it happen. So maybe a few weeks later, uh, Vector gave the okay to be able to ship the knives to Puerto Rico. So there's this excise tax thing. And, and it was one of those territories where people have to pay taxes you know, uh, upon delivery. It would have been a, a UPS nightmare. So they came up with a way of collecting excise tax from the customers to allow the drop shipment. That was the beginning of going to Puerto Rico. Wow. 
And so that you went, you went down there, you became a division manager. You built a very successful operation. Yeah, but let me tell you what happened. The day before I, I was, I was uh, supposed to go down there, I got a call from my girlfriend. And she told me, Ramiz, don't come. I was like, what do you mean don't come? She's like, uh, don't come because I don't love you anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> now I talk about it, it's easy. But, but at that time, I was like, are you, I mean, is this a joke or something? Look, I'm coming. We talk about it, whatever it is. And, and sure enough, you know, she had, let's say, met someone. She was confused. Her parents were like, why are you bringing this Lebanese guy? Well, what is this guy going to come here? He's going to sell knives? Everybody here has knives. I mean, let's leave them all. So, I mean, I don't know what it was. But what I knew is I love this person so much that I left my office, my business in Chester County to then be in a position to be in an island where I didn't know anyone, didn't speak the language, was about 3,000 miles away from the closest relative, which was my parents back living in the, in, the, in the U.S. And now I have to make a choice. Do I turn back? Do I just pack my bags and go back, say, geez, you know, didn't work out? Or do I actually... Uh, you know, just go for it. Go for it anyway. Worst thing that can happen, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go in debt and uh, I'll get the experience and we'll take it from there. There was a turning moment. Uh, in, okay, so I decided to stay. I continued and um, so I'm recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And just before our first big launch, it was a Wednesday evening. I go to have dinner. I go to my ATM card, to, to my ATM machine. I put in money. And my bank account said negative 120 bucks. Hmm. And I'm thinking, geez, what do you mean? I mean, I know I have money there. How can it be negative 120 bucks? I need to, to have dinner that night. And, and looked in the card, not enough change. I went back home. I had tuna and cornflakes. That was what was available in my apartment, tuna and cornflakes. Next day I went and there was a check deposited. But because it was a U.S. bank, it takes 10 days for checks to clear. Hmm. So I talked with the bank, said, guys, you must help me. I have nobody here. They gave me 200 bucks, 200 bucks advance, you know, and my total a grand amount that would have been there was a thousand. But that night I made a promise to myself. And then promise was I would never have tuna and cornflakes for dinner ever in my life again. Huh. And the rest was history because, you know, that summer, you know, summer 1994, uh, so actually, the year 1994, the business, the, the Puerto Rico office, the San Juan office, uh, ranked in the top 10 offices worldwide at $439,000 in sales. You know, three years later, you know, became a division manager and almost $2 million in sales. But yeah, so, so that was what happened and, and how things uh, took place. That's so cool, Ramez. I mean, you did something that most other people would have been way too afraid to ever even take on. And uh, it's incredible how often when we put ourselves in a position of uh, taking a risk or doing something that a lot of people would shy away from, that's where a lot of value comes from in our lives. I also love that turning point you had that night, you know, going back to your apartment and eating cornflakes and, and tuna. And so often, you know, it, it is an experience like that that is the switch that flips the switch in people's heads about what they want to be, who they want to be, what they want to achieve. And, and it's great to see that uh, you've been able to accomplish so many amazing things after having come from that. I'll just add something there, Dan. I'd say if I look back, maybe when I was 19, 
And I was only 24, five years later when I went down to Puerto Rico. And if you would have told me back at that time that that's what I'd be doing, I would have said you are, you are completely out of your mind. But what I learned with Vector is that our willpower is like a muscle. And it was a slow but gradual process. Do you know how many times I thought of quitting as a sales rep? Many times. Right. Many different challenges, not having enough leads, not being from the country. I mean, I can find every single excuse to think of, of why I wouldn't succeed. But one thing that I learned with Vector, and I, I, love, I love Tom Cannon, and I love the people that were around at that time to help me out. And uh, people like Melissa Moyer was someone that, an assistant manager at the time. And, and they just, people around me, you know, it's like the, the environment. If you put a plant in an obscure room, the plant will die. What I love about Vector is that we're willing to help students. We're willing to give people an opportunity. All what people need to do is to really receive that opportunity and to realize that the help that people are offering them is, is quite sincere. The moment I realized that Tom was pushing me, not because he wanted me to go out and sell more knives for him, but I realized that if I pushed myself, if I went out of my comfort zone, then this new comfort, this new expanded comfort zone becomes my reality. It's like when you go to the gym and then you push yeah. beyond, let's say, 100 pounds and you're at 120 and then at 130 and all of a sudden you're, you're doing you know, bench presses with maybe 150, 200, whatever the number is. And you're thinking, how did I get that? So I think the biggest thing for uh, sales professionals, uh, young students listening to this uh, podcast is, is to, to, to say, you know what, there is a muscle inside of you that needs exercising and no better than vector people who already have exercised themselves. They know what is possible. They know what's possible for you more than what you know what's possible for you. I think that that in itself uh, is what I love vector people for. Uh, you know, everybody from the top to, to the bottom have this one simple uh, value, this one simple belief. And I remember it was Mike Lancelot who, who talked, in order for us to get what we want, we have to help others get what they want first. I think that was maybe uh, Zig Ziglar, you know, but we had a similar thing in Vector. And I can't tell you how true this is, not just in selling knives, and there's a story about that, but also in, in helping people sell knives. So Tom Cannon came, I was a branch manager in 1991 in Scranton, Pennsylvania, my office, like it was, it was July and, and I had like $20,000 in sales. It, it wasn't enough. I was deeply in debt and, and he's like, okay, Ramos, we're going to shut down your office so, so that you can sell and recover. And, uh, and I was like, no, he's like, well, let me ask you a question. Why did you want to become a branch manager in the first place? I said, because I love to help people. He goes, well, are you really helping people? And I had a small flashback and I could remember sitting in a meeting and telling people to go out and sell, but not because I wanted to help them because shit, man, I, I, I had, excuse the word shit here. <laughs> I had the rent to pay. I had to pay my receptionist. I had to pay, you know, I had, I had to eat. I'm thinking, geez, guys, you better go out and sell so that I can, I, I can, I can, I can make it out from here. But that moment I remember that is not how, this is not what it was about. It was about sitting down with people and saying, hey, what is your goal? What, what do you want to achieve? That was when I, the pin dropped. We were having dinner. I said, that's it, Tom. Give me two weeks. Give me two weeks. And in these two weeks, if I don't turn things around, okay, I'll go out there and I'll sell. And it was a challenge week or a push week of some sort. I sat down with, I think it had like 11 or 12 people. I sat with every single one of them and said, what, what do you want to achieve? I broke down their goals. I said, okay, you're only that many phone calls away from 
getting that many appointments to make that much sales, to earn that much income. I'm here to help you do whatever it takes. And, and that push week, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something here. I had, I had this. This is the trophy. It was, it was <laughs> August 12th, 1991. It was a trophy where I go with my team. It was 10 or 11 people. And we were the number one branch for, for like twenty or $30,000 in sales. But that's not it. From that point onward, we end up having the best August ever when all the branches are shutting down. I'm cruising with my team. And that experience, you know, um, just made me realize this is how you lead. You lead from the heart. You lead thinking of others. You lead the same thing as, as, as when, when I'm selling. It's not about me. It's about how can I listen to my customer, give them what they want, and I get what I want. Same thing in in, in leading and developing others, it was it was all about my people. And that is the lesson that when I graduated in, in 92 from Villanova University gave me confidence that, you know what, I can succeed. If I succeeded in Scranton, if I from negative $10,000 in sales to going positive $10,000 in savings, just within seven or eight weeks, geez, I can do anything. I can do anything. And, and that was, uh, I'd say, one of the biggest... Uh, uh, lessons as well I, that I can um, I can share with others. That's a great story, Ramez, and and thank you so much for sharing that. Like just a, a compelling example of uh, what Vector helps a lot of young people to be able to find within themselves. And um, it's great that Tom was able to have that conversation with you, and it it turned things around and and got you on the track that has set you off to where you are now. And um, I, I'd like to hear a little bit about your your how your story took you to Dubai. And uh, just, you know, what, uh, what, what you're doing now and, and describe for people a little bit about, uh, about that path. But let me tell you what happened from that. So I had this calling to want to help people. And I uh, had the vision to go to Puerto Rico to expand to other parts of Latin America, which we did. I went down to Costa Rica and then, and then that was it. It was like, what else is out there? So one time, one of my district manager moved out from Vector and started working with a pharmaceutical called Eli Lilly. And they recruited him. I was, I was a little bit, I would say, uh, upset because he was my number one district manager. But he was a really good friend, so I was happy for him. But sure enough, a few, few months later, he called me up. He goes, Ramos, you know what? I'd like to invite you to my sales conference, and I'd like you to inspire my team. They need some motivation. I said, come on, Manuel. You were my number one district manager. You can do it. You don't need me. He's like, no, no. We'll pay you to come. We fly you first class, we'll put you in a nice hotel, and you talk for 45 minutes and we'll pay you. I was like, oh, if you put it that way, fine, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that. So, so that was it. I was my first time going and talking with, with a bunch of pharmaceutical people, and I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I'm used to talking to, to, to nice sales crowds, and here I was going from maybe an audience of 2,000 to an audience of 30, different, different uh, let's say, environment. But... 45 minutes later, it was like, it was a very positive, let's say, reaction. And, uh, and at, at lunch, they were like, uh, you know, asking me questions. I'm thinking, well, I didn't do anything. I was just doing what I was normally doing, you know, in, in, the, in, in our vector uh, environment. And, and then he asked me again. I'm thinking, geez, you know, uh, it's not bad. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed that experience. But so I had this urge to want to help others. But then I had this, this belief, this limiting belief. Maybe it was good for me at the time. That belief was, you know, Ramis, you only sold knives. 
Okay, you talk with a with the pharmaceutical company, but would you be able? So I had this calling to inspire more people. You know, would you be able to speak and train other people? Only having done these things, so there was this voice saying, "You gotta get a job. You, you gotta get into the corporate world." So in Puerto Rico, it's not your growing metropolitan, you know, uh, metropolitan uh, area. So my brother, one of my brothers, lives in Dubai, and I had interacted with him, and. Um, and that's where my CV floated. And one of his contacts, you know, said, look, if he's in Dubai, let him meet me. So I had one lead, came to Dubai, talked with the guy. He was from Unilever, but it was not the division that hired me. I meet with him for the first 10 minutes. And he's like, Ramos, you know, you're great. You have great one-to-one -one direct sales experience, but we're selling into retailers. It's like, you know, the Tesco's or the... Uh, the, uh, the Walmarts, Kmarts, et cetera, it's different. It's a whole completely different environment. Um, you know, thanks for your time. I said, you know what, I, I felt the same way. And, and quite frankly, it's great. It was lovely meeting you. Can I ask you a question? He said, what? I said, do you know someone uh, within the Unilever business who can benefit from my one-to-one -one direct sales experience? He said, you know what, yes. I think it would be the food division. I, I said, okay, great. Why the food? He goes, because they sell to chefs one-to-one. I said, that would be perfect. Who would be the right person to speak with? He goes, oh, that would be uh, Kamal Salman, who is the managing director of that division. Uh, this is vector, vector skills. I said, you're asking yeah. for referrals right there. You happen to have his number. He picked up his old, you know, remember the old Nokia phones, the one that opened up and, you know, it was like, a, a, I think the Nokia N something. And he gave me his number. I said, uh, thank you so much. I said, do you mind if you give him a call just to see if he, if he's available right now. He said, no. Picked up the phone, called him up. He said, hi, Kamal, how are you? I have a friend of a friend who's here from the U.S. Just talk with him. He, the guy comes online. I said, Kamal, uh, I was talking with Muhammad, and uh, he said that you run a B2B division where you sell directly to chefs. And he thought that you and I might have a conversation. I have more than 15 years working in direct sales, not just as a sales rep, but training and developing thousands of people in, in how to succeed in, in that one-to-one -one environment. And I'd like to have a conversation to see whether or not my skills and capability could add value to help you achieve your goals quicker and faster. He said, man, uh, we're actually looking for someone. I'm coming to Dubai within a few days. Let's meet. Wow. And that was history. Wow. So you, yeah. connected, you connected with Unilever at that point. Uh, you were with them for about six years. You built that business to be very, very successful? I did two things. First, I, I became the sales training manager for Asia, Africa, Middle East. So I, I went from selling knives to selling to teaching others how to sell food. So I did ask, look, guys, I, I can do this, but I need to sell. So the COO said, okay, for the first six months, you go become a key account manager and sell to the hotels and the restaurants. So I went knocking door to door, basically what I did before, and I went to experience what it's like to sell food and ingredients to these businesses. Now I got, it was May, June, July, August, September, October. If you look at the temperature in Dubai, <laughs> this is the worst. I, I, I remember two o'clock, I had a headache, man. I was not used to so much heat being around me. But sure enough, I figured it out. I got help because when I, you know, I raised my hand within the first you know, three, four weeks, the guys is not working. I got to go to a market that they have successful selling uh, so that I can learn from them. I, I don't want to just keep butchering my, you know, what's going on. So, you know, so okay, great. I, I figured out what was the problem in that market. So 
So this region was a new region, and I would go to Europe or I'd go to, to the US and see what are these developed markets doing. And I come back and say, okay, I know now why it's not working. So I built, I crafted and designed the global B2B business to business sales module for Unilever. And I trained 40 of their sales trainers within three years. Then they said, okay, great. It's good now to have this practice, you know, this theory, Ramis. Now we'd like you to apply that. Uh, in, in the uh, GCC business, so within the, the Gulf Council countries, so Saudi, Kuwait, Qatar, you know, Bahrain, UAE, and Oman, we'd like you to become the head of sales to turn that business around. And sure enough, I did the basics, the basics of Vector. There was no vision for the people. There was no clear structure. So although I had trained the, say, the, the sales manager, but they were not following best practices and training and developing others, uh, so I just simply came and I gave people hope. I, I told them, guys, we're not firing anyone. We're, we're going to show you how to turn this thing around. And you're going to be, become part of the biggest turnaround story in, in your career. I sat with every single one of my 14 people again within Unilever. We had a small division, less than $20 million. And it was a, it was a losing business. We had negative almost a million euros the year before I came. That's why they wanted to turn things around. I sat with them. I figured out their goals. I had people from Syria, people from Jordan. I said, why are you here? It's like, well, uh, anyone that comes to Dubai wants to make money and wants to get experience. So I figured out, they, they, what do you want to do with the money? Go buy, build a house or, or support family. I did the same thing I did in Vector. I said, guys, okay, now are you really going to get the experience if you keep doing what you're doing? If you don't look at your stock report and go and offer something that we don't have, how does that make us feel? So we, I had to really make them realize consequences for what behavior they were actually doing. And when they don't have the clear visibility on clients' needs, their forecast is wrong, we go out of stock, we end up bringing the wrong stocks, it was a mess. But sure enough, within I, I took over September 2007. By end of 2008, we actually, they told me, lose $300,000. I said, no, no, we're going to make it. And sure enough, we made it. And, and that gave the team a big push, a big, uh, a big what I call uh, a boost of confidence and then said, okay, then you can run the business, that you become the managing director of that business. And, and that's what happened. Wow. Um, so the big keys were helping people to establish a vision of why they're doing what they're doing, what would be the long-term benefits to them for succeeding in this venture and a vision of, of what you wanted to build as a team and how they fit in and then giving them the structure of systems uh, to be able to succeed, the best practices to be able to succeed and do well. And that helped you build the organization. In the way you say it, this is what we've done, like without even thinking about it as vector. You know, this is what I've learned since I was 19. But I tell you, this is not common sense. So it's common sense, like, you know, so what's the big deal? But it is just that. When people have a reason, a big enough reason, they can do anything. And the biggest thing is, unfortunately, sometimes people give up on their reasons. Right. And people then start settling for less than what their heart is telling them to go for. Yeah. So yeah, that's, from a leadership perspective. It's all about, it's not about us. It's not about me. And I'd say I succeeded. Yeah. I was the vehicle that helped them. Success was within them. It's like, I think it was Michelangelo and David. They asked him, you know, how did you come up with this big statue? Remember in Italy, when we went there together back in uh, 1995, and we see this big thing. And, 
And then, and then now you understand this. It's a huge rock in front of you. He said, well, David was always in the rock. I just helped chisel him away. I brought him to life. And I think that's what happens with people. People have this ability inside of them. And they sometimes need a coach, need, the, need a guide to, to help them find out what they are truly made out of. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you left Unilever after five, six years there to start your own venture, which is the Academy for Sales Excellence. And now you're training salespeople and sales managers all over the world. Tell, tell us a little bit uh, about what you're doing with your own company. So the idea for the company was born. I always thought I want to speak and train. And you know, my concept is to, ins- you know, my motto is inspire one more. And, and I believe in Vector, you know, when uh, I, I give a one-to-one with someone and, and they go out and they have their first sale and then someone watches them, oh, yes, he, he did it. And, and then they can go out and inspire others. I think I, I was addicted to this feeling of wanting to help others. So as I traveled with Vector, sorry, with, uh, with Unilever, to more than 30 plus countries within the existing geographies from Morocco, South Africa, all the way to, to uh, Malaysia, Singapore is a little bit further, Japan, you know, and that's okay, the furthest part. You know, as I traveled, I spotted patterns and the patterns were, you know, people were selling Unilever products not because they were following any big structure, not because they had the principles of sales or the, princ- or the leaders, the principles of leadership and leading by, by vision, by example. They, I mean, there was pockets of that. But overall, I, I found that there's this big gap. And I said, wouldn't it be great if the academy, if I can build something that becomes the source, the source of knowledge, the source that really, you know, when people ask me what I do for a living, I say, I give salespeople hope. Now, some people say, Ramazi, that's great, but hope is not, you know, come on, hope. How about certainty? Certainty is better than hope. I say, well, you know what? Let me start with hope because unless people have hope, and, and the way I give them hope is by educating them, by showing them things they're not doing and saying, look, if you're not doing these things and you start doing it, how much more you can get? So, so the way I give people hope is by giving them proven and tested ideas and, and best practices and methodologies that are proven and test them to give them results. So they get hope. Unless I have hope in these ideas, if I try them, and then people will not do more. They will not go out of their comfort zone. They're not going to go and try something new. So I think hope is really critical. And the way I do that is by giving people these basic principles that I know work. Because, uh, you know, I didn't just research them. I didn't just uh, read about them. But I've learned. Uh, I've done them myself. And I've taught others how to, you know, how to apply them. And they've received similar successes. Yeah. What are a couple of the key principles that you could offer, Ramez? I mean, there's going to be a lot of salespeople listening to this and sales managers listening to this. Let's at least make sure we get in, you know, a couple of the key principles that you have here on this podcast today. The biggest thing for salespeople is you got to do your homework. You got to, you cannot go in and expect in the year 2019 and in the future years with the age of AI, artificial intelligence and robotics and, and um, automation in, in this age and in the age of Alibaba and, and other online platforms where you can Google and, and find any product or service almost online at a cheaper price than whatever you're trying to, to offer. So if you think that you're going to walk into a customer meeting and expect to make a sale just because you walked in, you're wrong. So the biggest thing that you got to do is is you you become the value. 
So your product and service, okay, great. You better have a good one. And when you look at all the products and services, the variation, you know, I'm, I'm looking here, but I have an HP printer and then I have a Canon printer. But the difference between the functionalities of these two printers is, is almost, there's no difference. But maybe the difference was the way this printer was sold to me. Uh, the person that sold this printer to me, the way that he, that he understand my needs, did he understand my goals, did he understand my operation. Did he show me how, did he understand enough to give me value in the way that he was that he was presenting and selling whatever product or service. I have this one-liner, you know, these people, says professional, you gotta know your customer's business better than your customer knows their business. Hmm. And if you do that through proper research analysis, if, if you do that, then you become an asset, you become an external asset for that organization. Then they can't wait. You know, when Ramis shows up, they clear the desk. They say, okay, Ramis, what, what do we got for us today? You know, so you got to do your planning, your preparation. You got to know the customer's business better than they know their businesses. And, and then last but not least is, man, you have to listen. You have to ask and shut up. Don't go in and try to sell them what you want to sell them to hit your target. Just listen, understand, because, because the customer will tell you exactly how to add value to them. Wow, that's a great insight. And it's it's one of those things I think is a skill that most salespeople do not have whatsoever when they're brand new at sales. They just want to like talk, 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 talk to the customer and then ask for the order. But being able to learn the art of asking questions and then asking the right questions and listening to the answers and, and having those answers build one on top of another on top of another to lead you towards what you feel like is going to be the best offering for that customer. Uh, that's a critical skill for sure. Listen, Ramez, as you've accomplished so much and you're doing such, such great work, as you look to your own future five years, 10 years down the road, what, what are you most excited about? I'm excited about having people providing opportunities for people. I can't tell you then the amount of aspiring sales speakers and trainers out there that don't have a product that want to help others but they don't know how and and today the the world is evolving from you know selling time to actually selling products so this is just one of the examples i have built uh one of our program is called systematic selling strategies systematic selling strategy is an online program that we offer clients in a blended format so so i do a flipped classroom model where companies can learn at their own pace but as a sales professional i provide support and coaching. I uh, whether go with guys on the field or uh, provide group coaching or individual coaching. And, and I'm excited about being able to expand my library. I'm excited to be able to offer the opportunity for individuals down the line who say, you know what, I, I want to offer this in my part of the world. I know I have a few of my Unilever trainers. Talk, I'm talking to them in, in, in Asia or in South Africa. And, and the opportunity... Again, people are dying out there. People need structure. And I tell you, uh, with the basic principles that I've learned, and by the way, I keep on researching. So also, I'm currently teaching at, uh, at Halt International Business School. I fumbled upon that experience or that opportunity where I'm teaching entrepreneurship, leadership, and guess what? Sales. Selling. <laughs> I'm teaching executive MBAs and MBA students uh, sales, you know, because they realized finally uh, a university, a very progressive university, realized that you can teach people strategy, you can teach people how to be innovative, 
But if you don't teach them how to sell their strategies and their innovations, they're going to starve to death. So, so I'm excited about expanding, having more people, uh, let's say, be associated with me and with the Academy for Sales and be able to take our this art to other parts of the world and really inspire one more. If I can impact someone's life just by, you know, by today and that person, because their life is impacted, is able to then share that uh, new person with others, that will impact them in turn and it's just going to create a ripple effect. And if you think about one more is infinity. We will make this world a better place. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. One becomes two, becomes uh, millions down the road. Yeah, just, so that's what you're doing with this podcast, with this blog. You know, great minds uh, think alike, and and I think we have this inner passion to really keep uh, sharing. You know, being the light for others, and you cannot shed light on someone else's path without shedding it on your own as well. Yes, fantastic. Well, Remes, how can people reach you or follow you if uh, if they would like to? Right. So if, if you type my name, R-A-M-E-Z, last name is Helou, H-E-L-O-U. If you type my name, uh, Google it or go on YouTube, there is a YouTube channel. I have 160, 70 plus uh, small blogs or blogs, video tips. That, you know, I create something almost on a regular basis. So it's been now three, four years in the making. Then you can also, uh, you know, search theacademyforsales.com. Uh, theacademyforsales.com. It's my corporate website, and you can subscribe to our uh, to my newsletter there as well. My direct email is ramis at ramishelu.com. Again, ramis at ramishelu.com. And uh, this comes to me personally, and would be happy to look and interact with whoever needs support. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, thank you. I know that uh, you have this quote that nothing happens until something is sold. And I think that there's a, the phrase I use is everything is selling, right? That uh, every day we are influencing people in one way or another. And uh, the world revolves around people that have the ability to influence others, to move other people to action, to create results in an organization and uh, to sell both products and ideas. And it's clear that you become an expert of that. You bring great energy to your work and uh, to all your interactions. It's something I've always admired about you. And I always found you to be someone who was uh, really caring and really sincere in that way. And I think that's something that people can sense about you, which is uh, perhaps a big reason why so many people have followed you and why you've become so successful. So Remez, I want to thank you so much for taking some time here all the way from Dubai. I really appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to us being able to interact again sometime soon. Thank you, Dan. It was a pleasure. And keep up the uh, sharing, sharing the, the inspiration for others. All right. Ramez, hello, everyone. The sales doctor. He talked about having strong enough reasons for all of the things that you want to do. Relating to sales tips, it was about a vision, a vision for what goals you want to achieve, why you want to achieve them, helping people in your organization establish their own vision, both for what they can be a part of with the team, but also how they'll benefit individually from that. He talked about structure and systems being a critical part of success. And that's a big part of what Ramez teaches all around the world is establishing 
a structure and systems for success. Things like the question asking that he went through. I also really appreciate that Ramez has done so many things in his life that so many people would have been way too afraid to even try. And in that process, he expanded his comfort zone. And I love where he said, my new expanded comfort zone became my reality. And that's what happens for all of us. As we take on bigger challenges in life, as we take steps that might be a little scary, we grow our comfort zone. That new expanded comfort zone becomes our reality. More of all of what life can offer becomes available to us. And we are able to have a much higher degree of success and achievement. Hope you enjoyed Ramez Helu. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.